Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Welcome to the Blessed Life series. Uh, we are um, um, doing a six-part series. The six parts, um, we will have missions and vision and some other things happening on Mission Sunday on the 27th, um, and then we'll obviously have Christmas on Sunday, so on the 25th, so um, up until the end of the year, we're going to have six messages. Last week, we covered, um, just for a quick review, and then I'll share a testimony, um, last week we talked about the principle of the first. Now, in, in the Bible, there's this principle of the first, that it's the firstborn, it must be either redeemed or sacrificed depending on if it's a clean animal or an unclean animal, right? And we made the point that as a sinful, fallen human race, we are born unclean, and Jesus, the perfect Messiah, Savior of the world, is born clean. And being that he is born clean, his sacrifice, right, which is how God established it, his sacrifice would make clean that which was unclean. Hallelujah, right? And so he also uses this principle concerning offerings. Listen, sacrifice, give me the first, the firstborn and the first fruits, and that clean thing will make clean the rest of that, the stuff that's unclean in your life. Whoa, cool God principle. And we see this with Cain and Abel all the way through. We also see that it doesn't matter if it's meat or if it's fruit, any increase in your life, you give him the first of it, okay? And we also find that, find that the tithe must be first. Now, I mentioned the T word, and the T word can send a shiver up somebody's spine. And the reason why it does is because this has been manipulated for the cause of man. We don't need your money. God is the one who supplies every need in this house. Okay, I'll repeat this over and over and over. Okay, the principle of the tithe is for your benefit, not the church's. You get that? And I'll repeat it again, because some of you make it about man. This is not about man. This is about you and the Lord. Okay, we're going to have fun today. I can already feel it. You know, pastor's going to be on one today. I'm going to preach with some fire and some, some uh, boldness. But I believe that this principle is here to get you out from underneath a curse. And some of us live cursed lives and we can't figure it out. Almost always when I find out somebody's really struggling, 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 I'll ask this question that starts with the T word, do you, and almost always no, almost always no. And it's not that bad people, they're great people, but I'm just saying that this is a principle that God has given us for the sake of our benefit. Okay, now, today is going to be scripture heavy, okay? So if you have your notes, get ready, okay? If you use the number two lead clicker, you guys, ever, you guys ever remember school when you sit in class and you'd show up to class and you'd get your book out on your table and you'd look around 
and nobody else had their books out. And you're like, wait, what's going on? Teacher comes in, all right, everybody, it's time for the test. What do you say? What test? What test? I'm ready to learn. What? What? What, what test? Right? And the funny thing is, is that there's many of us who are believers that don't understand that actually there is a test for us in Scripture. There is a test in the Bible, and we actually take this test every time we get paid. All right, so let's take a little survey. How many of you get paid? Raise your hand. You get paid once a month. Okay, how about every two weeks or every other week? Okay, some of us get paid by the job. How many of you are contractors, people like that, you just get paid by the job? Okay, I know, we got contractors in here. I got to make sure we don't leave them out. Um, how many of you never get paid? Okay, we're going to pray for you. Okay, all right. So here's the test. Here's the test. Who are you going to thank for your income? right? You take that test by what you do with the first 10% of your income. Who are you going to worship for your income? Some people pay Visa first. Yeah, we'll pray for them too. Yeah. Some people pay their mortgage first. But Visa and Fannie Mae do not have the power to redeem the rest of your income. doesn't have the power to bless the 90%. Only God does. Only God does. So we're going to look at two main passages today. The first one's going to be in Malachi chapter 3. Okay, famous passage on tithing. The last book in the Old Testament. And then we're also going to be in 2 Chronicles 31 that we're going to cover it in depth. These two passages, but there'll be a lot of other scriptures as well. Um, and... The reason why we're going to go through a lot of scripture today is that you need to understand tithing is scriptural, it is biblical, and it's also in the New Testament. I know, it might blow somebody's mind. This is a God principle that it was in the Old Testament, before the law, in the law, and in the New Testament. So we see that this is a God principle that is superseding um, the law, and so we'll, we'll deal with some of that today. I just want you to know this is biblical study. Um, one of the reasons why we call it the blessed life and we talk about tithing is because God has some, some principles that are eternal that he has instituted for our best, and this is one of those. Okay, now Malachi 3, 6 says, for I am the Lord your God, I do not change. This is huge. I think it's interesting. God made sure he said, I don't change. Now, let me tell you specifically why I'm telling you I don't change. Right? And I love this next part. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. <laughs> I was, I'm still nice. <laughs> I was like, like, you deserve to die, but I, I'm going to be nice. Right? It's a little humorous, I think. You know, God's like, like, I don't change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I thought, I thought it was funny. All right. <laughs> Verse 7, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Right? 
But you said, in what way shall we return? Now, let me remind you, God is talking here. This is God talking. And this is the God who doesn't change. And he says this. You've gone away from my ordinances. Now, that word ordinances, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. I don't know how many that was, but we're going to keep blessing you. All right. Ordinance means a principle of ordinary behavior. An ordinance is like, this is normal behavior. It's nothing spectacular. It's not out of the ordinary. God says this is an ordinance. This is a principle of ordinary behavior. Okay? You've gone away from my principles as my children. Right? Now, again, this is God speaking. A preacher didn't make this up. Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Right? This is to the house, to the church. We'll get into that in some detail. That there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven... And pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Again, this is dog, this is God talking, and this is the God who can't change. You have to remember that. He says, You've gone away from my ordinances, from my ordinary principles of behavior. Tithing is an ordinary principle of behavior to God. It's ordinary. And it's ordinary for God's children to thank God for their income, for their harvest, for their increase. And that, that it's just an ordinary principle. I, don't, I, I feel like we got to get this. It's just ordinary principles, right? He said, because you've gone away from my ordinary principles, you're under a curse. Yikes. You need to also understand that there's so many times that we say, well, because we're Christians, we can't be under a curse. Because Christ bore the curse of the law on the cross. And I agree. That's Galatians chapter 3, right? He talks very clearly about that. And he did. And, and that is regarding salvation. He bore the, the curse of death on the cross. He did. Absolutely. But are you saying then that you can live anywhere, any way that you want and it doesn't cost you anything? Is that what we're saying? That we can just do whatever we want now that God's ordinary principles don't matter now because of the cross. And I think some of us have, have somehow reasoned this, right? And it's kind of crazy to think about life like that. If we steal, there are consequences. A curse is a consequence. And people say, well, yes, Lord, but the Lord owns it all. You know, like we could say that. God owns it all, right? It's all his anyways, right? Exactly. And he gives us stewardship over it, right? And in order to steward it, he says, just give me back the first 10% as a steward. That's all I'm asking, right? 
So this is that God principle, right? So that's, of course, why he says that you've stolen it, because he says that I've set apart the tithe for the house of God, so if you keep it, you're stealing it. Wow, this is good, isn't it? Man, I just feel like you guys are receiving this so well. You know, you're hearing it. You're like, oh, this is food for my soul. (laughs) I understand that this stuff can be difficult and hard. and, And honestly, like, I want there to be no guilt, shame, condemnation. Nobody's calling you a bad person if you don't tithe at all. We're just talking about the biblical principle and how it's between you and the Holy Spirit to determine how to go about that next part of your giving, that next part of your generosity, that next part of your faith. I'm teaching the biblical principles, right? You get to do with that how you're free. You're free, and I don't want this to come out as shame or condemning at all. No plan for that. And so that's why I'm, I'm trying to keep it light a little bit and keep it like, uh, I don't want to, I I, I'm bringing a hammer to a spirit over the region. So, so guys, just please come with me, Okay. Thank you, because I feel the resistance, and it's okay. You just know I do feel it, and I bless it. You guys are going to get your breakthroughs. All right. Yeah, God says, you've stolen from me, you've robbed me, and because of that, you're under a curse. The curse is a natural consequence to not stewarding well. Can I, I just say, I don't want you living under a curse. <laughs> You're welcome. Understand that you are voluntarily placing yourself under a curse because you're going away from God. This is what God says. You're voluntarily placing yourself under a curse when you go away from his regular, or, regular ordinary principles. It's pretty wild. Pretty wild. But we need to understand something here. And that's really the first point. Tithing is a test. I, I, I asked the Lord, God, why, why didn't... Robert Morris asked the question, and then I had to ask the question, right? Because we're working off the Blessed Life book out of the Robert Morris. God, why didn't you wait 15 verses? From Malachi 3 <laughs> to Matthew... <laughs> Like, why didn't you put this, you've robbed me, all that in the, like, make it that clean in the New Testament. And of course, God's like, I put it exactly where I wanted it to be for your sake. I put it exactly where it needs to be for your sake, right? He placed it perfectly for us. So listen, God is testing our hearts, right? We know that the tithe equals a tenth tenth part or 10%. When, when people, I've had many, many people, and I've had people leave the church over it. I've had lots of arguments with people about tithing. I'm kind of over the, like, you're free to do whatever you want. If you want to lead here, I ask that you tithe. Fully invested, right? That, that's that's one, of the, one of the requirements of leadership. But, I um, mean, it's good to have standards and boundaries for your leaders, Amen. Uh, hello are we there all right come on amen amen all right good Woo. all right um let me let me just say this um god is testing our hearts and when we argue about it like 
The Son of God has given us this principle and I, I just struggle often with the arguments. They don't often make sense to me because it's really just a test of our heart. And I believe that God chose 10% for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's equal across the board. It's a percentage. It doesn't matter if you make $50 or $50,000, $30,000 or $300,000. It's still His. And, you know, uh, one of the early um, oil barons in the world, uh, Rockefeller, right? J.D. Rockefeller said, if I didn't tithe on my first dollar, I wouldn't have tithed on my first million. You know, so it's just this principle, like, doesn't matter. It's still a penny on a dime for everybody, right? It's so that's kind of universal. There's no favoritism with it, right? You don't get a special tax break because you're under, under a certain income level. It's for everybody, right? Unfortunately, we think of God often like we think of our taxes, and that's not good. I also think he chose 10 because for some reason, many times when you see the number 10 in the Bible, it represents testing, okay? It often represents testing, and you'll actually see the word test with the number 10 a lot. So let's, let's take a little test, all right, right now. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to answer me out loud, okay? Can you guys do that? Yeah. All right, okay, good. I know Kim's always up for that out loud. Let's go. All right, all right. How many plagues were there in Egypt? You know, another way that I could say that is how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Ten. How many commandments are there? Okay. You might notice a pattern. In Numbers, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. Ten. Jacob was tested in his faithfulness to Laban and his wages were changed how many times? Ten times. How many days was Daniel tested? Ten. Out loud, people, out loud. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? <laughs> yes. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? How many disciples were there? Ah, it was a test. It was a test. There's 12. It's a test. It's a test. Here's something that you might not know. It's actually a two-way test. It's a two-way test, right? So God not only tests you, but this is the only place in Scripture that we found where God says, you can test me. God says, test me in this, right? The word test, New King James says, try me in this. Um, the uh, King, Old King James Version says, prove me in this. And in the ESV, it says, test me in this. And that word is clearly, it's, the word just talks about the testing of metal. Like testing for purity. Testing gold to see if it's pure. God says, test me to see if I'm pure. 
Test me. I want you to see because I want to open the windows of heaven. I want to bless you. I want to rebuke the devourer for you. But it depends on whether you're going to thank me and worship me and walk in faith. And whether you're going to believe, honestly, whether you're going to believe that 90% with God is better than 100% in your hands. One of the things that we do when we test God is that we open and increase our faith. When we test God, we actually open, it opens and it increases our faith. And with that, I want to have Micah um, Snyder come up and share a testimony on her journey with tithing. So I, um, when I first started coming here again, it was after, right after I had gotten divorced um, shortly after that, it was kind of within a, a few month period of that. And when I was married before, I had wanted to tithe, but um, my husband, that it, he struggled with it. And so it was real irregular and that always bothered me um, because I love giving and I'm, I, I'm a generous person and I, I love to do that anyway. Um, but then when I, when I got divorced and, and I was struggling, you know, as a single mom, even working full time, I was only making $10 an hour and, um, with some commissions on the side, but, um, like it was, it was, it was tough. Um, I remember, uh, diluting the milk. I'd get a whole, whole milk and I dilute it to 2% with water to have enough milk to get through the week. I went to the community meals around town to eat with my kids. I, it wasn't like I, ha, I had enough as it was, right? And I was thinking, you know, and the Lord was starting to talk to my heart about giving the 10% of my income, and I felt such a huge responsibility to take care of my kids, constantly living under the threat of having them taken away from me by my ex, who would have loved nothing more than to do that. And so, um, you know, a tithe for me was gas money to get to work. And it took a lot of faith for me to, to like get there, you know, and I remember praying and like, Lord, I want to do this, but I just like, how, how, I, I don't see how I'm going to have enough. Like I already don't have enough. How is it, if I give any more, if I give it away, how am I going to have enough? And the Lord is so good and so gracious to meet us where we're at um, and where our faith is at. And if you have even just a tiny seed of faith, maybe right now you don't have enough faith for the full 10%, but he asked me, he said, do you have faith for 5%? Do you have faith for 1%? What do you have faith for? Start there. Start. And let me show you my goodness. Let me show you my provision. And I tell you what, he did, and it wasn't long before I was giving full 10%. And somehow, every month, there was enough. <laughs> so don't ask me how some months it happened, because I literally don't know. Like, money was there. Um, and, you know, and the body of Christ, too, helped me in times of need when there were, you know, unexpected car expenses, or I went through a wage garnishment because of credit stuff with the divorce. And like that was a huge blow. But even through that, giving the 10% first 
God was so faithful to, to provide what was needed. And it, it's true. It's a two-way test. Yep. Come on. Isn't that great? Yep. That's great. Awesome. Come on. Give her a hand, will you? <clears throat> so for many of us, I call it a, like a giving journey where, where if you're willing to start with 1% or you're willing to start with 2%, start there wherever you have faith and begin to step into it because God will prove himself faithful. One of the things that I have let people know, like if you really want to challenge God and you're too afraid, tell me about it and I will, I will put God to the test with you. If you're willing to tithe and give a 10%, if you run into the devourer, let's talk about it. Like I've seen this happen, right? Like you choose by faith to give your 10% and suddenly that bill comes out of nowhere or the car breaks down or that, you know, you're like, ah, more money out the window. It's like, no, okay, I'm going to agree with you in faith. And do you know what's amazing about the body of Christ is we set aside money to help the saints. If you're willing to take the journey, if you're willing to risk it, we'll be with you on the journey. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. That's good. All right. Now, um, one other thing that I hear often is, well, you know, it's in the Old Testament, right? Or it's under the law. And, you know, I... I think, yes, tithing was under the law, but I'll show you some scripture that tithing was way before the law, hundreds of years before the law, and after the law, and in the New Testament. And I, I just, again, I don't under the, understand the argument of, I'm under grace now and not the law, therefore I don't need to tithe. I don't personally understand it. It's common, it's not, like, it's okay, it's out there. But, and I'm not saying we do it because of the law. Obviously, we're saved by grace, but there are principles that were under the law that we should still walk in as believers. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So are you telling me? <laughs> but it's in the law. So you're telling me that you should be, not have any consequences for adultery? Thou shalt not kill. That's in the law. Are you there shouldn't be you know, any consequences for things like that because we're under grace. All right, let me give you an example. Um, Dennis, you have a wallet on you? Can I see your wallet? I want your wallet. I'm going to take your wallet. Thank you. All right, I'm going to go on preaching. I just took it. Is it okay for me to just take his wallet and leave now? Would that be a problem? Would it be a problem if I, Dennis, would it be a problem if I left with your wallet? Probably. Probably. Well, hang on. I'll give you your wallet back. I'm just going to lighten you up a little bit here, buddy. I'm really going to lighten you up, buddy. What in the world? This guy's got... Let me, let me just say, none of us would think that that would be appropriate. But I'm under grace. Yeah. Hold it in your hand. We just bless your wallet and your finances in Jesus' name. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. 
Just, I just want to make it really clear. Like, this is a big deal. So I want to show you that tithing is biblical, okay? It's before the law, it's in the law, and it's in the New Testament, all right? And um, again, you're not a bad person if you don't tithe. I'm not saying that at all. You're not a rebellious person. But a lot of people really don't believe that this is a biblical, scriptural thing that you should participate. They think this is just about money-hungry preachers that just need your cash. That's not the principle at all. All right. Last week, we talked about how in Genesis 4, we see an offering with Cain and Abel, right? Cain's was not accepted, but Abel's was accepted, right? So we see that God actually can reject and accept offerings, right? Based on the heart and whether or not you're bringing it first. Okay, that was the point there. So we see these offerings in Genesis 4, and now what I want to do is look at Genesis 14 with Abraham. Um, Abraham runs into this guy named Melchizedek. Abraham had just rescued um, the five kings. Of, you know, they, they had been raided, and Abraham and his crew goes, and they just clean house, God's favors on them, and they come back with all the spoils, right? And they return the spoils back to the people, and then all the increase that Abraham had, he gave Melchizedek, who is the king of Salem, which is the king of peace in Genesis 14, 18. And he, Melchizedek brings out bread and wine. Sounds like communion. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram or Abraham and said, blessed be Abraham, Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And it says, Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe, a tenth of all. So we see that actually, Abram gives Melchizedek. Now, if you don't know this, theologically, Melchizedek, this mysterious king, um, is what we would call a type of Christ. And it is 500 years before the law that Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth, right? Galatians says that Abraham is our spiritual father. And Melchizedek, Hebrew says, is a type of Christ. And of course, I personally believe it was Jesus, that Melchizedek is Christ in the Old Testament. And we call it in theological terms a Christophany. This, these moments where Jesus appears in the Old Testament. You also see it with Gideon and it, with the angel of the Lord, who's the only angel in the Old Testament that carries a shepherd's staff. It's pretty cool. It's really a type of Christ there. And you want to talk about a blessing. So good. And he actually, that angel received worship, which tells me it was God because angels don't receive worship. Okay. But um, we see that Melchizedek, it says that he has no genealogy. He has no mother, no father, no beginning of days, and no end of life. That's how Melchizedek is described. He's talking about Jesus. And our spiritual father gave 10% of his, all, all that he had 500 years before the law. Why? Because it's an ordinary God principle. Now, let's look at Genesis 28, verse 22. 
Genesis 28, 22, this is Jacob, and Jacob is um, very concerned about his brother Esau, and he says he's having this encounter with God, and this stone which he set up, it says, this stone which I've set up as a pillar shall be God's house. Say that with me. God's house. Then he says this. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Jacob makes the commitment. He says, I'm going I'm to put up a reminder that this is the place where God dwells. This is where God abides. I'm going to put up a stone as a marker that this is the house of God. And I promise God of everything that you give me, I will give you one-tenth. He begins right there. Jacob ties the tithe with the house of the Lord. Do you see it? Okay. Now, let's talk about in the law. All right? In the law, we see Leviticus 27.30. It says this, and, of all, and all the tithe of the Lord, which means all of it, all the tithes of the land, whether it's of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord's. In other words, it belongs to God. The tithe belongs to God. Right? And he says this, Right, that holy to the Lord, it's holy. That's the same word that we talked about last week, the word set apart. God has set it apart. And of course, that's the only reason why he could say, you're stealing from me because I set that apart for my house. And if you keep it, you're stealing it. Deuteronomy 26, one through two, right? Says, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first. Remember this principle, the first fruits, right? Some of the first, and the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket, and I watch, now watch this. Go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Where does God choose to put his presence? Again, this is referring to the church where you go, where the Lord chooses to make his name abide with his people. Now let's look at verses 13 through 15. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, according to all your commandments, which you commanded me. There was a whole slew of offerings that he commanded. The tithe and offer, all these different offerings that you were supposed to give, right? That met all of these needs. Then he says this, I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning. I didn't use the tithe when things got hard. Nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use. I didn't use the tithe for sinful purposes. Then I didn't give any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you've commanded me. Look down This is so great. 
He says, listen, I did the thing. Now, look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. Israel and the land which you've given us, just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Honey. Listen, I've removed the holy, the holy part, the thing I set apart that you gave me, God. I've taken that holy, I've set it apart, the 10%, and I gave it, and I gave it to your house. I did what you asked me to do with that, and now I'm in a position to say, God, will look on your servants and bless your people. Why? It's a two-way test. We can open up the windows of blessing, open up the windows of heaven when we participate in his normal, ordinary commands. Did you know that most every blessing in Scripture is an if statement? If you do this, I'll do this. If you repent, I'll forgive you. Right? Like, it's, it's always tied. Our, now this, this is very different from, from that religious, works-based gospel that says that in order to be saved, you've got to get it right. No, it's a free gift. My access to the free gift is that I'm willing to allow him to change my heart. And I choose him. If you don't choose him, you're not part. Are we okay? All right. You still don't earn it, but you got to choose it. (laughs) Are Are we good? Okay. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) a little bit that's right that's right she said is that the when and then of parenting which is great i love it so let me ask you a question if jesus himself said that you ought to tithe would you no i'm serious if jesus If the Savior who died on the cross for your sins, who knows every good thing for you, if he said you ought to tithe, would you? If it was in red. Okay, if you read your Bible, it's in red. Would you do it? Right? We have to ask the question. So here we see this in the New Testament. Matthew 23, 23 says this. Woe to you. Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So Jesus says, hey guys, you're giving tithes not only of your first fruits, but of the spices that you're putting on your meals. Like, you're not just tithing the first fruits, you're actually tithing on the spice. Like, you're getting really aggressive with the tithe. <laughs> and he says, that's good. You, should, you ought to have done that, but you've neglected justice, mercy, and faith. He says, look, it's good. You ought to tithe. But don't forget about the good stuff over here, too. Don't forget about your heart. Right? And some people would say, well, I don't think the ought to was about tithing. It's about justice, mercy, and faith. Well, then he also says, don't leave that one undone either. So either way, he's saying that you ought to tithe. 
This, Jesus says it. Je, like, no. Jesus said it. Now, in English, the word ought, right? Because we, we don't, how often do you use the word ought? Not often. It's used to indicate duty or correctness. Typically, when criticizing someone's actions, they ought to respect the law. And in Greek, it, the word is necessary. There is need of it. It behooves you. It is right and it is proper. In the Greek, that word ought, that's what it means. It is right and proper to tithe according to Jesus. According to Jesus. All right. See, we're, we're, we're getting at this spirit. Getting at the spirit. This, oh, I'll get there. No matter how you slice the verse, right? Jesus is saying you ought to tithe. And the book of Hebrews talks about Melchizedek. Again, talks about Melchizedek, Christ. And it says that it is, verse 7, verse 8, right, of Hebrews says, Here mortal men receive tithes, but there in heaven he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. Whenever you're putting the tithe in the box in the back or you're giving online on the, on the church center app, mortal men, we take care of it, right? Mortal men, we, we've got a budget. We try our best to knock that thing out of the park. Sometimes things come up and we trust God, right? But here, mortal men, we take care of it, but... Listen, in heaven, he receives it. You might be putting it in the box, but Jesus is the one who receives the tithe. Jesus is the one who receives the tithe, right? Of whom it, it is witnessed that he lives, present tense. Jesus Christ receives it, and it is biblical to tithe. So where does it say that the tithe should go to the local church? Right? Um, there's a, a bunch of passages that I could point to, uh, but um, I think that if you're committed to a local church, wherever you go locally, that's where you should spend your tithe. That's where you should bring it, is where are you getting fed? Where's the place where you're being ministered, where you're ministering? That place where, where the, you come corporately and, and the presence of God abides. That's why there's a fight to put down roots in this region. There is a fight to put down, everybody wants to float. I'm going to get my spiritual manna from all these different sources online. I'll go to this church, this church, this church, this church. And I'm not going to give to anybody except for the one that tickles my ear the most. And then I'll give them some money because I really like their preaching. So I might, I might put some money or I'll wait for a missions or I'll wait for something to put my money in that I, I deem worthwhile. That's not God's principle. In fact, the reason why there's community, the reason why even today, why we have different churches is because God wants everyone set in family, right? That's why if you go to a mega church, they're mega because they've got lots of small groups so that you can be set in family. I am not a mega church pastor at all. I totally honor what they bring to the table, right? Everybody gets up in arms because you know, I don't know, what was it five years ago, Joel Osteen got robbed on a Sunday night and their whole offering was $600,000 in one Sunday night offering. And people are like, how could so much money go to one place? Let me just tell you how many people get fed out of that church. 
Let me just tell you the ministries that are going out of that church. We cannot have accusation on the lips of the believer towards other believers. Now, what I will say is that there is directly an exchange that Paul talks about in the New Testament about us financially supporting those who minister. There is a direct um, instruction throughout the New Testament. Paul is very strong on this, that you make sure that you participate and have an exchange with the people that you're receiving ministry from. Okay? Specifically, all throughout First and Second Corinthians, he's very strong on it. Okay. Now, we'll, one of these sermons we'll get into um, the big passage in Corinthians about, about giving. That's not today. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9 through 11. It says, For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes. No doubt. This is written that he who plows should plow in hope and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things, Paul's saying this to the church of Corinth, if we sown spiritual things to you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Paul says, look, it's okay that we come and minister to you and you so into us financially. That's normal. Paul, in his course of ministry, said, I don't want any of that. That's when Paul makes the case, like, I have no problem with that happening. I, he blessed it. Everybody who comes through that you want to you pay, you need to take care of the people who are ministering in Corinth. Take care of them. Take, make sure that their bills are paid. Why? So that they can give themselves to the word and to prayer. Like it's very clear. Like they need to be freed up to minister. Not having to worry about where their next meal. Do you want to muzzle the ox? Do you want to put the cover over the mouth while they're treading? Or do you want them to eat while they're working? Let them eat while they're working, right? So he makes this case really clearly, okay? So when you come to the church, do you enjoy your spiritual food? I'm not trying to be blunt. I, I, don't, I don't want to be rude, but someone is paying for all of this. Someone's paying for the building, the utilities, the staff, making the men's and women's and children's and youth and life groups happen, making all these other ministries happen. It's not just for me to be able to set aside time to get into the word and to pray and to come and preach the word of God or to make disciples who can lead leaders. It's, there's more to it. And this was the use of the tithe in the Old Testament. The tithe went to the house of the Lord so that there would be food in his house so the Levites could minister. It's the same principle that's used in the New Testament. Okay? I'm just saying it's the same thing. It's a universal principle of God. All right. So with that, we got to understand that tithing is not only a test, not only is tithing biblical, tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. Right? Now, Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 31. Remember, I talked about that at the very beginning. We're going to look at depth at this passage on point number three. Hezekiah, one day, is reading about the scriptures, and he sees these verses about tithing. Hezekiah is the king of Israel, 
and he decided to institute some reforms. Hang on here. I thought I had a... Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't send in my updated one. All right, here we go. Hey, there it is. Okay, great. There's the, there's the sub, sub notes for you guys, right? Israel's in a deep recession. They were not doing well financially. They had been raided. They didn't have any money. Hezekiah starts bringing reforms. He's 25 years old. He goes in and he says, we're going to reinstitute the law. We're going to take down, um, uh, we're going to restore temple worship. We're going to keep the Passover. We're going to go pull out all the, pull down all the altars to Baal and to the male God and Asherah, the female God. We're going to pull all those down. So he goes through, makes all these reforms. And as they're studying the word, the Levites are now, now beginning to teach Hezekiah the word of God. And he comes across this passage on tithing and, and he calls for a tithe from the whole nation, right? So that his, the Levites who are teaching him the law don't have to work and minister at the same time. Okay, you get that? So Hezekiah's thinking, oh, this is why we're doing this. So he institutes the tithe. Okay, and so let's read through this. Verse four, right? Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Now remember, Malachi said, bring the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, right? They were talking about natural food, but think about it, right? Now today we're talking about spiritual food. And for analogy's sake, would any of you here go to a restaurant, eat a full meal, and then leave without paying? Nope, nobody would do that. And for some Christians, we do that every week. (laughs) We go to church, we eat a meal, right? And we skip out on the check. And, and here's the sad thing. Here's the sad thing. You're the one it's hurting. The church is fine, honestly. Like, I, we're setting up budgets for next year. We're way above budget on how much people have given than we planned. It's, it's amazing. Praise God. And I haven't even been preaching on tithing that hard. But because God's the provider, yeah. right? This is for your sake. The core team didn't even ask me to preach on tithing. <laughs> hey, we're having some financial problems. We need you to preach on tithing. Never happened. Never happened. Okay, just want to be clear. I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, and I say this before God I am doing this, I am saying this, I'm bringing a hard message because of you, and I promise you, I'm doing this to help you. This will change your life. This is going to change your family. This will change your finances. It will change your marriage. It will change your children, your grandchildren, and it will impact and change you. I promise. All right. So as a guy puts out the call that everyone needs to bring the tithe to the house of the Lord. You guys ready for this? All right. Verse five. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance 
the first fruits, right? We talked about that last week. The first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, whatever they had. They're bringing in the first fruits and of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, so now, guess what? The generosity spread. The, the command to bring the tithe, this first, Hezekiah is only king of, Ju- of Israel. He's not the king of Judah. So Israel's like, we're on it. Jerusalem, we're on it. Now all of a sudden, all of Israel's giving, and now Judah's bringing the tithe in too into the house of God in Jerusalem, right? And it says this, they brought the tithe of oxen, are we still there? Uh, Yeah, tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things which were consecrated to the Lord, their God, they laid in heaps. Right. In the, this is great. In the third month, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. And that's actually talking about two harvests that came through, the first harvest, two harvests that came through. And when Hezekiah and the leaders, oh, yeah, we're still there. And he, when Hezekiah and the leaders, yeah, came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. <laughs> Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, since the people began to bring the offering into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people and what is left is this great abundance. So after we took everything that we needed to make sure that all of the Levites were covered, everybody gets to eat. We got it planned out. All that stuff that you see is what's left. After all all the bills are paid, this is the heap that's left. Well, check this out. Right? The king sends out the order for the tithe, right? We're supposed to be tithing to the house of God, so the people begin doing it. They begin in the third month, right? This is a harvest time. But then there's a second harvest in the seventh month, and they continue through that time. Now, when the king comes to visit, right, he sees that the people brought all the things that the people brought. He sees the heaps, right? All the stuff that the people brought to the house of God. He questions them, right? Are the people okay? It's a lot of stuff. We're in a recession. Are they okay? Tell me about this. This is not normal. O king, as soon as the people started to do it God's way, God so blessed them that what you're seeing here is only the 10%. Imagine the 90% that they've got. It unlocked blessing for the nation when the people of God began to honor the tithe. It broke the spirit of poverty off of them. Chris, you've been preaching hard on the tithe. We are going to break the spirit of poverty off of the region. 
So many of us have been grasshoppers to our finances. And we are striving and trying and we're constantly stressed and anxious about where's my next big job going to come from? Where's my next thing going to come from? And how's the harvest going to be this year? There is a faithfulness that you rest in when you're a tither. Because you don't mind testing God. And there's this amazing thing that God does is even, like right now, I'll just be transparent. Mika's business and my business outside of our personal finances are under some financial attack. Like we're like trying to figure out, okay, well, Lord, what do you, what do you do? Well, of course, we're battling through this in the middle of breaking the spirit of poverty where the enemy wants to come and say, you know, hey, you know, you don't have enough money for payroll this month, Chris. You've got $4,000 in outstanding bills with people that haven't paid. What are you going to do? Oh, I trust you, Lord. I'm at total peace. I'm not like we see it happening, but I'm not worried. I'm not worried. There's no anxiety about our finances. There's just peace. I've tested him too many times. And he showed up too faithful <laughs> every time. Amen. All right. So, I love this passage because God blessed his people when they began obeying his word. Right? Now, over the last decade or so of ministry, I've heard three testimonies concerning tithing. I hear the tithers that say that they're blessed. They trust in the faithfulness of God. He just shows up. They're just blessed. They're blown away. They've, not that everything's perfect, or there's not trials or tests still, or there's not something that comes up, but there's just this like inner confidence in God doing what God does because they're tithers. That's a, it's consistent across the board with tithers. Then I have um, the, the other testimony is people who've tried tithing, but then they say it doesn't work. Guess what? They weren't giving it to Jesus. They were giving in order to get. They were giving so that their 90% would meet their need. We give the tithe out of obedience, but we give it to Jesus. And we trust Him with the outcome of what we have left. And just because you have a difficulty financially as a tither doesn't mean that God disappeared. It means that your faith is being tested. Anybody here have their faith tested? If you're a believer, you've had your faith tested. What test? God, I trust you with my income. I trust you with it, right? And of course, the other one, the other testimony that I hear with tithers is that people can't afford to tithe. Those are the three, three testimonies. And I think Micah's such a great testimony that she shared that actually, if you could just trust him with a little, he'll still show up. And that's not people who are mean or rebellious. They just literally like, I don't know how to do it. And listen to me. 
You're never going to be able to afford the tithe until you start to tithe. It's tithing that breaks the curse and rebukes the devourer. As soon as you start to go, get ahead, something else is going to break. If you don't, tithing removes the curse. It rebukes the devourer. Let me, let me just come back to this final just reminder that we're stewards. It's not ours in the first place. We define stewardship as managing heaven's resources for the Father's business. As He supplies for me, I manage the resource that He gives me. If you think if you think that the income that you earn is just yours, then it is. It's just yours. And there's no blessing on it. If you think because of my wealth, because of my smarts, because of my skill, if you think that your income is about you, you will see struggle. I'm just telling you. We're stewards. It's his. It's his. He's the one who blessed me. Deuteronomy 8.18 says that he's given me the ability to create wealth. Who's given me the ability? He gave me the ability. So I'm stewarding heaven's resources for his purposes. And you know what he says? Test me in this. Tithe and see if I won't bless you. Now, I'm grateful for every single one of you is here today, whether you're a tither or not. I know that God's going to take you on your next on the next step of your journey in honoring the Lord with your life, whatever he asks you to do. It's between you and Jesus. I'm laying out the principle and you can wrestle with the Lord on it. If you want counsel on this, if you don't know how, if you're not sure, if you're afraid, come on, we will come into agreement with you 110% to have God's will done in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So understand, tithing is a test. Tithing is biblical, and tithing is a blessing. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. It doesn't mean that you won't have hard times. It doesn't mean that you won't have challenges. But you're blessed. Amen? Amen. Will you stand with me and close in prayer? It is really difficult. Oh, little guy. It is really difficult to tithe if you don't know Jesus. It is really difficult to put God first in your finances when He's not first in your heart. Then it's a duty and it's a chore and it's an obligation instead of a blessing. So the first thing that we must do today is ask God. God to be first in everything in our life. Because then tithing actually becomes easier. The higher he is on the throne, the less big 10% looks. You know what I'm saying? The bigger he is, the less like, oh, he's big. So Heavenly Father, I ask right now that you would just show yourself to be as big as you really are in each of our hearts that you would help us see you clearly and how great and magnificent you are. 
not just about your resource, not that you own the cattle on a thousand hills or that you want to bless us or any of that. God, show us your majesty and your glory because we are finite beings. We are created by you for your purposes and Father, we want nothing more than to see you clearly and fulfill the work that you've called us to do in our lives. So, for everyone here that maybe has not made Jesus himself the one to whom we give the tithe, if you haven't made Jesus Lord or the, basically the God of your life, if you have not put him on the throne of your heart, he's inviting you to give yourself fully to him today. And many of us have, have done it in word and we've struggled indeed. But today is an opportunity for you to give in word and indeed yourself fully to Jesus. So for each person here that is desiring to give themselves 110% to Jesus, I pray God that you would just work that work that miracle of faith in their heart to believe you, to believe your word. That they would give themselves wholeheartedly to you. Hold nothing back from God. Because if he has it all, you're blessed. Thank you, Lord. And now I ask that each one of you take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he'll speak to you in a, in a picture or a color or a word or some way. He'll, he'll affirm in your heart. But I pray that you, you would ask the Holy Spirit what it is that he wants you to do with this message. God, what are you asking me to do with this message? Now, last week, we prayed that prayer. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this message? And God gave some very specific instructions to a couple. And what they did was they um, realized that the way that they had been giving was not actually honoring the Lord fully. And so they, they thought, oh, we got to change that around. And so they changed how they're going to do their giving. Pretty cool. And they texted me, hey, we're making these changes. Okay, cool. Awesome. Praise God. I'm going to come into agreement for that. And then they also had an offering for the missions that they hadn't completed yet, so they gave that. They got a refund check from Medicare for the exact amount that they gave. That was this week in this house. Because they listened to what the Holy Spirit spoke to them, and they said yes. So let's pray again with a little faith. Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do differently? How do you want to impact our lives with this message?
Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you praise and we honor you with our lives. We give it all to you because it's all yours. We bless your name, Jesus, and we give it all to you. We entrust it all to you. And I thank you that you only ask for 10%. It's all his. So, Father, we're so grateful for what you're doing. And we thank you for the, the radical increase that you're releasing over every person that's hearing this message. Radical increase that you're releasing over every person that hears this message. Dennis, I'm going to let Dennis share and then we'll grab a seat. So earlier in the service, I heard the Lord clearly say, there's an anointing to break financial like uh, big bills and debt. huge debt off of people's lives today. There's an anointing here. So if, if there's anyone here that you're staring at some big debt that looks impossible, you look like a grasshopper to that debt, I just want you to stand up. We want to pray for you. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to release, release this anointing on you to break the yoke of this thing. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Come on, Father, you're so good. We just thank you, God, that you're releasing miracles. Go ahead, man. Lord, we just thank yep. you for thank your you, provision. Lord. We thank you that thank you, you are Lord. Jehovah Jireh, yes, God, we just our bless provider. You in Jesus name with the ability Lord, right now, I just release what you have told freedom. me, Lord, just the cancellation of you. debt, Lord, freedom over you in Jesus the things that have been staring people in, in the face name. for maybe even Continue years and months. Lord, and Lord I just release, we just release that, that in Jesus thing name. to be canceled right now yeah. in the name of Jesus. I release your provision, Lord, to come and cancel the debt and every life that's standing here today, Lord. We release it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the breaker anointing, Lord, that is on this people, Lord, to break debt in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Lord, we just release abundance, in Jesus Lord. Name. We call abundance, the debt canceled Lord. in Jesus' name. That we would in walk in abundance, Lord. That we would provide. just look at life through abundance, provide. Lord, and not through lack. Right oh, now, thank Lord. you, God. We thank yep. you for that in yep. Jesus' more, Lord. name. More, Lord. Yep, yep. We call, we call mortgages paid in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Credit cards paid off in Jesus' name. Yep, yep. Every debt, every judgment that was placed against you, we call them canceled in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yes, Dennis, just start praying for people, buddy. <laughs> yep, get them. <laughs> yep, thank you, Lord. We just say, be blessed in Jesus' name. Yep, yep. There's a, there's a new way of viewing your finances now. I just call you all into a new paradigm of financial freedom. No more viewing your checkbook through the poverty eye. No more seeing things out of lack. I declare abundance over you in Jesus' name. 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 In Jesus' name. God, you care about the little things that impact us, including our finances. So we just declare abundance over you in Jesus' name. Abundance over you. Debt's canceled. 
back on the right track. In Jesus' name, I want to read a scripture over you guys. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yep. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Even your bad decisions, He's going to deliver you from those destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. But then he turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place and sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He sets the poor on high, far from the affliction. This is so good. He makes their families like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice and all iniquity stops its mouth. God is in the business of taking you to your desired haven here. So Father, I just release the blessing of freedom from all condemnation from bad choices and the power to choose a different way today. 
to walk out a new life with new blessings in front of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love it. We got testimonies. Amen. All right. Hey, man, this is the house of the Lord. Let's do it. Go ahead, John. Well, I love this scripture that says, test me, test God. Um, ever since I became, began to tithe, things have got better and better. And, and it was a beginning of, yeah, it was a struggle at the first to, to give even a tithe. It wasn't because I didn't have the money. It's because I didn't feel that I needed to. But when I started to tithe, I just couldn't believe how how everything came in. I mean, just it, it was absolutely amazing. Once I began to tithe, how I was never without, ever. I was never without a job. I was never without finances coming in. I was never without, and it was always overabundance. So yes. you have to try it. You have to start somewhere. You have to give that faith, just if it's just a little bit of faith to start in the first place. But man, it's just so beautiful to see everything taken care of every month, every year, for <laughs> as long as I've been a believer. So come on. Amen. Amen, Warren. So we're, we're kind of new here, but we had something happen this week that was pretty amazing. Um, I'm a farmer, so my income's kind of strange how it comes in sometimes. Um, we're consistent, you know, generally pulling a salary from our corporation, but things just got a little snug this, this fall. In the last couple months, we haven't taken anything because there's just other bills to take care of things. Fertilizer's jacked up because fuel's jacked up. And um, so we were, we were just praying. We're, we're tithers, and we've been tithers, and I've seen God just pour it out before. And um, I was listening to a Rodney Howard Brown message, this, and it was a short thing that I caught. But he said, this week, and he didn't say it like that. He said, this week, he said, there's going to be surprises in your finances. And within three days, we had a, had a major surprise. We had enough that came in totally outside that was basically over the equivalent of what we would take in two months just showed up. Has nothing to even do with farming. It's totally outside. So that's my point. Don't limit God. You got to grab a hold of what of what He's telling you and go. And and so I mean that that's a powerful thing. So I'm releasing this week over all of you that something. And this week isn't even done yet. So I'm still. I told Kelly the other day. I said it's not even done yet. So there's like four more days. So what else is He going to do? I don't know. And uh, so anyway, same thing with your word this morning about the giant slayers. You know, I've, I've had that same word before. Kelly's reading a book on giant slayers. We have to grab those words. We have to grab a hold of those words and go with it. So Come on. So good. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.